The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to task him. Sound thinking. to another episode of Wookie Radio. It is Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. And this week, we are being joined from the iRebel, a Star Wars podcast. Podcast. Uh, we have Jedi Geek Girl. How's everyone doing? Doing pretty good. Hello. So, um, I'm just going to say JGG for short, <laughs> if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um before we get into the meat of the show, tell us a little bit about um, Ira Bell. I know you're – We I've meant to bring you on for the longest time because you are on the Weeby Geeks Podcast Collective and have been for, what, three, four years now? Three years. Three years. So tell us a little bit about how Ira Bell started, and you just went through a, uh, a big change with your show. Sure, yes. So Ira Bell originally started at a Star Wars Destiny podcast. Star Wars Destiny is a card and dice game from FFG Collectible Game. I've been doing that for the past three years. I originally, before I started Ira Bell, I was part of another podcast. So altogether, I've been podcasting for four years. I podcasted a year by myself then a year into it my co-host Sarah came on and then Star Wars Destiny was cancelled the game died so I decided to shift gears into my larger passion which is Star Wars in general sadly Sarah did not continue with me on the reboot so I have gone back to what I've been doing and basically I Rebel is a one-on-one type podcast sometime I will have like two other people maybe three other people and the main focus of the show right now is we pick a topic like for example a film let's go with solo and we'll talk about it and then the next episode we'll switch gears into legends and we'll talk about a legend type project like here to the empire and we go back and forth okay see i want i want to delve more into um 
the Star Wars Destiny, what it was, because I know we had chatted about it, had talked about it a couple times briefly on the show, and I know you gave us a donation for um, one of our prize packs of some custom Star Wars Destiny cards that were 8-bit, which were cool, and I would love to, I wish you had more of those, because I would love to get a set to add to my collection. I do not oh, collect. I have so many much. I have so many more. <laughs> I I don't. I never played the game. I don't have any of the cards, but those were cool, and I would. I, I just. I, I'm nostalgic over the the eight bit. So, um. So I guess before we get into Destiny, before these guys jump in and say, "Hey, I got a question." How about a round of Smuggler's oh, Feud? <laughs> Derek, you know you love it. You, you confess to it over on Weeby Geeks. I don't seem to recall that. It was around the same time that it was the same episode that I called you Zod. Mm. I don't remember this either. I've not heard <laughs> it. It didn't happen. <laughs> oh, wait. That might have been in the nightmare I had the other day. Because it is October. So, how Smuggler's Feud is played. Um... We use the game Star Wars Family Feud for the basis. We go back and forth, unlike regular Family Feud, where one side gets three strikes, then the other side steals. We go back and forth. First one, we either run the card, which I think's only happened once, and that was with a certain point of view, or has it happened twice? I don't remember. I don't remember. I think we've done it more than once. <laughs> hey, we've played 20 times. So, wow, I can't believe 20 times. Um, wow, only 20 times, huh? Only 20. We put up 20 times? See, with, with, with Jedi Geek Girl, this episode, we can now drink while playing the game because we hit 21. Blackjack. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> um, so we go back and forth uh, till a team has three strikes. If both teams hit three strikes in the same round, whoever scores closest to the number one answer ends up right being the tiebreaker in case we run the card and there's no strike or the one with the least amount of strikes wins that way so um jedi geek girl i've got three cards in front of me please select between one two or three let's go with three we're going with three eight answers on the board name something that luke skywalker is famous for we start Losing with his hand Number eight, hmm. right off the spat, over to Wookiee Radio. <laughs> Number one, six answers that are in between those. Back hmm. to JGG. Training with Yoda. Strike one. You're that, up there. Um, it's actually kind of trickier than I thought it would be to kind of narrow it down. Uh, I'll say uh, becoming a Jedi. Number four. Now, how uh, was that phrase? The actual answer. Becoming Jedi. Okay. <laughs> back to okay. back to Ira Bell. Redeeming his father, saving Vader. I'll give you that one. Number two, Darth Vader's son. Back to Wookie Radio. Killing the Emperor? Because technically he did not kill the Emperor, Vader did. Yes, but the, the, the wide galaxy didn't know that. Back to I Rebel. 
the binary sunset. That is your third strike, Ken. Wookie Radio. Yeah, Derek, you got one? Uh, I'm going to say... Jeez, <laughs> uh, I don't have one. Um, knowing this game the way that I do, I have some ideas, but I know none of them will be there. Yeah. So I will say, so I will say building a new lightsaber. But Walkie yeah, Radio gets, but Walkie Radio gets the win. Hey. And takes, what was the other answer? Uh, give me a second. I can mark the scorecard. Walkie Radio is now up 11 games to 10. Uh, first not time. bad for just dumb luck. Uh, number seven, Kissing Leia. Oh. <laughs> number six, Good Pilot. Number five, huh. Rescuing Leia. Huh. And number three, The Force. Huh. Okay. Wouldn't that be being a Jedi? No. So, um... Tell us a look. I know you said the game doesn't exist anymore, but I'm sure it's still being played with existing cards that are out there in the universe. Tell us a little bit about Star Wars Destiny. So Star Wars Destiny is a card and dice game from Fantasy Flight Games. It's a collectible card game. So anybody familiar with Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon would be familiar with the collectible card game model. Basically, it is set up where you pick a team of characters made up of 30 points, you draw a five-card hand, and you take turns taking an action. So you take an action, I take an action, and you keep going until a victory condition is met. The game is set up in the context that is focused on fantasy flight games. What is old Star Wars games, you might be familiar with it. It usually explored every aspect. Star Wars Destiny is the first game since Disney took over to really focus on canon. So anybody in the canon at up until that point in time till it was no longer supported, you could play a team as either part of the villains or the good guys and you can put them against each other and you can just roll dice and see who wins. And the game is officially dead, yes, but it is being supported by a continuing community which is a bunch of community leaders in the gaming community decided, hey, we're going to continue the game and we're going to create fan sets and we're still going to hold tournaments so we can still play. So technically, officially, it is that, but you can still play it. Okay. What's the learning curve to this game? Because oh, I, it's really easy. Because I've never played Magic. Well, I played Magic on the video game for the PC, <laughs> and I kind of understand it. I kind of don't. Pokemon, I'm, I've done the same way. I played the, not the Pokemon Go app, but there was a Pokemon card game app for the iPad and for the phone. And I kind of got it, but I kind of didn't. So <laughs> you, you say it's kind of easy. How, I mean, is, is it like easy, easy, or is it kind of... It's, it's really easy because you start the game with two resources, and you start with a five-card hand, and you play cards from your hand until you cannot or whatever. And basically, you're like, okay, it's my turn. I can do an action. I can activate my character, which means you tap them in magic turns, and you roll the dice in. You can resolve dice. You can play a card from your hand. And basically, you keep going. You're alternating, taking turns, doing a round, and then when a round's up, you restart. It's really simple. And when you the, when your turn is over with, instead of drawing a card, you draw five cards back to your hand size. And the, the deck size is 
30 cards, so it's, it's, it's really easy. I would say it's about the same level as your, your basic Pokemon. I, I, I haven't played Pokemon in a while, but I, I know that Pokemon's really easy. I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh is really complex and Magic's in the beginning, but yeah, I would say it's really easy. I'd highly recommend checking it out. Okay. Yeah, I have the the start a starter set. I just never got a chance to actually take it out of the box to play. That's one of the reasons I stopped playing Magic, just because I didn't have time to sit down and play, and or the money to stay in it. Well, it sounds like it's a game similar to uh, what Derek and I got a few years back, and that was the spoils. I have a bunch of that too. Because that that was uh, card and dice as well, wasn't it? I don't think it had dice. Maybe it didn't. Yeah, I, I don't I got, think it did. I got a bunch of this uh, spoil stuff when I went to Gen Con one year. I think they were just. In Introducing it or something. Yeah, we had we had the we had Simon on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a great game. Now, do you know if there are still Destiny sets out there that you can still get in the stores, or is this something you would have to go through online means, or is it still being offered through like your local comic book shop or gaming shop? Simple answer, yes. More complex answer, it depends on where you're located. Like some comic shops probably put it on plans and they want to try to offload it. I know that the game, if you're familiar again with Magic the Gathering, it had rotation. It only had one rotation, so when rotation happened, they were trying to get rid of all the older product. I think you should be able to find it because it's not one of the big three, unfortunately, and there was a lot of it printed. So outside of the first couple of sets and the last set, you shouldn't have any problem, but even then, you don't really need a wide collection. You can buy the two-player starter, which was at Target on Force Friday 2 for like pretty cheap. If, If you can still find it in, in your target on clearance or you can buy it online really cheap all you need is that maybe two of those and you can play with your family or your friends and it's really simple if you want more you can buy the pack but you can just be fine just playing that okay see I- now is it is it character based or ship based or so the, so the game is a character duel. You have a team. Okay. You have a team made up of thirty characters, like Luke Skywalker and Admiral Ackbar on your team, versus Vader and a stormtrooper. You have that, and you can play vehicles and supports. But the main theme, the idea of the game, was a character duel. But if you want to go hardcore into ships and like have a whole bunch of ships, you could. But the thematics of it, uh, the skin of it, if you will, is a. I'm picking my two favorite characters and I'm pitting them up against your characters. And unlike other Star Wars games, you can do heels versus heel. Like you can do Anakin Skywalker and Ahsoka versus Luke Skywalker and um, Admiral yeah. Akbar. There's no restrictions in that sense. Now, we know as a, as a dead game, Fantasy Flight isn't making any more, but was there, um, is there a decent secondary market for this, for like selling individual cards or dice or anything like that? Or was it basically just, uh, what did you get in the packs and that's what people were dealing with? There was, uh, there was a decent secondary market during the life of the game obviously nowadays it's a little bit difficult it's a little bit different because the game is not officially supported but because the game is being continued by the player committee there might be a market of it but they decided to do a rotation themselves so okay so at the time that the game ended there was nine official sets 
and Standard, which was your official play, had the last two cycles, so six sets. And the player committee decided to release a 10th set, or set 11, technically, because set 10 was supposed to be released as a prize release. Uh, that triggered rotation. So instead of having a pool of six official packs, it went to three. So those other six probably don't have a wide secondary market now, except for collectors. So. Okay. So why did why did they stop supporting the game? Well, there's a couple reasons. Number one, Fantasy Flight Games, they have a hard time supporting a game, especially a competitive game. They seem like they it seems like they create a game and then they move on to they they basically approach the game like you would a board game, like a board game company would. You make a product and you move on to your next big thing. And that was reason that was reason number one. Our reason number two is the OP wasn't great. And if you look at any of the games, the OP always lacked. They always did like custom cards and stuff like that, but it wasn't it was more of a casual thing where your competitive community is they, they want more from it. And number three, when they launched the game, they they didn't picture it to be a huge success as big as what it was. So it sold out of all the product. It was kind of hard to get more product and you had a lot of people who were interested in the game who never could get into the game. So you had that. You had product shortage. Uh, number four, you had a, obviously when a game is created, you have a lot of experimentation and the meta was broken. Basically the meta is like you a, a playing field, if you will. So you you lost a lot of players that way. Number four, or number five, is the dice production. The dice were produced in China and they were plastic and they had to be tested and that always created delays so you had delays in the product and it cost a lot to produce those dice so it, it was just a it was just a big mess if you will yeah, it seems Sounds fantasy like flight it. with the um because they had the they have the um big overall star wars license they've done the role-playing game and all that stuff but it seems like it, um the things that keep the role-playing game and um and the miniatures games going is the fact that new sets is whole new sections of mir- mir- blah, of uh, miniatures or the role-playing game when they put out a new expansion for it they release it as a brand new game even though it's an expansion for what they've already built the system they already have it's something it's a, they release it as a totally new game so this seems like it would be a little harder to do something like that with yeah. yeah ccgs are not easy to do especially if you are a board game company and they just it was more like a happy accident for them like the way that they do like they have lcgs which they had a star wars lcg you might remember that or not mm. but basically when they made the cards they print them all at once and they was just it was too much for them i feel like yeah well i've noticed it seems like um fantasy flight in general if you look at their products they're it seems like they're a um they're a dice producing company and they figured out how to use games to make more dice because all of their different um like i said the miniatures and the uh, role-playing game use the exact same dice but they have different symbols depending on what game you're playing so if you want to play the role-playing game you got to buy separate dice from the miniatures game separate dice from the armada game separate dice from the um tabletop war game yeah so they just want you to buy more and more dice <laughs> which would seems like destiny would be the perfect one for them if they could could have figured out how to do it yeah for what it's worth the dice were pretty high quality so the the, the games that fantasy flight games they 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 have they have such a repetition they're like the picture 
of the tabletop gaming world, if that makes any sense. Okay. Being that Lucasfilm is part of Disney and Pixar is part of Disney, it does make sense. Now, how how did you end up getting involved in um, Star Wars Destiny? And then from there, go into what you did when I Rebel was a Star Wars Destiny podcast. I got involved in the game day one, hour one. Basically, when the game was announced, I was playing the other Star Wars card game, the Star Wars, Star Wars, the card game, or the Star Wars LCG, and I had notifications turned on for Fantasy Flight Games on Facebook, and I got the notification that they post, posted a article for Star Wars Destiny. I checked it out, and I was immediately hooked because I have a history with CCGs, collectible card games, and that was right up my alley, and it was like, it's Star Wars. That was also up my alley, and I decided, hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm really into this game. You know, I changed, I shifted gears in my life away from collectible guide games because they're expensive, they're time-consuming, and basically I was like, but this is something that I really can enjoy and can get really get a lot out of it. So I basically dove head deep. I really dove into it, and it for the first year, like I said, I was doing something else and shifting gears into IRL after I left the podcast that I was doing before, I decided, hey, you know, I want to continue doing podcasts. And basically, the setup that I had was basically the same where I would have a member on from the community and we would talk about a topic. And then the next week, I would have somebody else from the community on. It was like a rotating thing. And basically, it was just me. And then at the end of the year, like 27, I forget which one, 2018, um, it's when I met my co-host, Sarah. Well, I met her like six months before that. I talked to her. I'm like, hey, do you want to come on? And basically... She came on and basically we had the same thing. We had episodes where it was just us, but we also had episodes where we had other people from the community on. Not only Star Wars Destiny, but we had a couple of people from the Star Wars community. Like we had Brian Young on one episode, so that was nice. Um, he's from Full of Sith. Um, he, has a, he also writes Star Wars, or he wants to write Star Wars. So that's basically, basically what I did is basically we had uh, people on. We talked about the meta. We talked about the backgrounds of the games. Sometimes we talked about like... The, the Star Wars canon and stuff like that it was basically it was a Star Wars Destiny podcast but it had a nice influence of Star Wars so we, we spent like five minutes or five to five or ten minutes talking you know catching up on Star Wars hey what are you playing what are you experiencing in Star Wars this week hey what did you think about the latest movie um it was basically always my intention to shift gears into Star Wars because that was my real passion so I how even though I was excited for Star Wars Destiny I was involved in the game because of Star Wars so okay now, I know I remember as you were posting on on the site or over on Weeby Geeks, um, you would talk about different tournament, do like tournament reports, whatnot. Were these tournaments that you went to, or something that you had correspondence there? Basically, I would have either somebody on from the tournament, or it was a tournament that I was. I didn't go to a lot of major tournaments, but the major tournaments that I did go to, I had some in-person episodes, so I would, would I would record a bunch of episodes and then put it all together in like in one mega episode. Um, sometimes I. Had had people who did really well in a tournament like a world or a nationals and i 
would have them on to talk about their performance, how they did, what they think about the meta, what do they think about upcoming cards, such as that. And of course, my co-host was uh, very successful in her arena, which was overseas in Europe. She She's from the UK, so there was a little bit of, uh, of an international relationship, and she was really good with, with the game, so sometimes we would be talking about how well she did at her locals or Europeans or nationals, so yeah, it was basically just a um, basically an audio, as I as you said, a tournament tournament report. So okay, now that's really cool. With Destiny, was it highly competitive, like you would hear about with Magic: The Gathering? Not where, really. Where it was like very cutthroat and very and times very violent at some of these tournaments. Not really, because the prize support you didn't have a lot of valuable things in the line. Like with Magic: The Gathering, one of the things that creates that atmosphere, especially in the competitive scene, is you're playing for a lot of money and you're playing for cash. Uh, that is also you see you also see that in Yu-Gi-Oh. I know I played Yu-Gi-Oh and I saw a couple of that. I remember I went to a nationals with my brother, and there was a fight that broke out, and somebody. Like this happens every year, um, but yeah, basically because the prize support wasn't like the what 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 were you going to fight over a playmat a playmat that maybe worth a hundred dollars if that it's probably worth less than that or a card that there was no there was no high stakes to get that aggressive or that competitive about it. Having said that, you still had people who brought their A game to the tournament who wanted to succeed because they had a competitive mind and they had a very analytical mind and they wanted success because you know that it's kind of like if you're playing with your friend with call of duty or a video game it's like at the end of the day there's no stakes but you're still competitive you still want to win so it just great it just goes to prove that with star wars you fight online and on social media not in person at a at a destiny game or a convention pretty much yes <laughs> that's the problem we need more face-to-face interaction with star wars fans not, not yeah we can face get face off social thing. media get off social media one of the you bring that up and one of the one most one of the best things i ever done is you you have this atmosphere but i've been to celebration and going to celebration and as you said meeting with people in person you have people who have their opinions but it's just a totally different thing and that was wonderful but yeah you meet people in person and it's a totally different ball, ball game yeah i i've been to three celebrations and while everyone would agree at the time you know, about the trilogies and there would be some people who didn't agree with, with the prequel trilogies, fist fights didn't break out. The, the hatred, the, the death threats and everything didn't break out there. It was it's like, OK, it, there's respect and, and it was accepted and, and everyone respected each other over it. And it's like, cool, I, I could deal with this. Uh, another, oh, go ahead. Another, another thing I would like to add is, is if you go to a in-person event like Celebration and some dude comes up to you and be like, hey, I don't like this. You're like, OK, dude, and you, you guys, you just walk away. He does his own thing. And that's the end of it. Where, where I'm lying, it's a, it's a constant pecking. It's a constant you know, I'm I'm pointing my finger at my table. You know, nagging thing. It just can't let go. Where in person, you just walk away. It's, you know, because yep. I had that. Right. I, I had a couple of that when somebody's been like, "Oh, I didn't like so and so." I'm like, "Okay," and that was the end of it. That celebration. So yeah. 
but it, it's, I think it also goes to show further that um, the people that are putting out all the negativity about, oh, well, I hate this, I hate that, and uh, driving people off of Twitter and such, those are not the people that are going to events. They're not the actual fans that want to go and hang out with Star Wars fans and just love Star Wars. Um, right. No, you do see some of it, and, and usually, and I think uh, Jedi Geek Girl could back me up on this, usually you see some of that on the first day, and you may see that early on a Saturday, which Saturdays tend to be the busiest day uh, of a celebration. Um, you usually see it on one or both of those days, and it happens so fast, so quick in the beginning that you, you may hear rumblings about it for an hour or two afterward. Oh, this happened. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Let's move on. It's like people just got to get it out of their system and move on. It, I've, I've never seen it escalate where it, it's a, a cancer the whole convention. I know that I cannot speak to that because I've only been to one. Number one, I've been to only one celebration, and that was the celebration in Chicago. And funny story, day one, I accidentally got into the line for the store. So I was stuck in line for the store for like four, four or six hours, and I was talking rest, wrestling with the people next oh. to me. And of course, that was the celebration where the shop thing went down, so I was waiting for no oh. reason. I'm like, am I even, you know, so... Oh. Oh, yeah. Hey, at least you got to talk some wrestling. Oh, oh yeah. I, I wrestling is one of those. <sighs> wrestling is another passion that I can just go on and on and on about because that was my thing growing up, basically. Okay, cool. Now, um, now you, you you said your your show is kind of more sort of similar to what we're doing now uh, here on Wookie Radio, where you're bringing people on. I uh, hit a couple topics and uh, and just and, and just chit chat. Uh, so I want to bring up. Maybe you've covered this already on I Rebel. Um, I haven't listened to this week's episode yet or your latest episode. We know Monday new trailer drops for The Mandalorian. What is everyone's thoughts on it? I haven't watched it. Didn't see it yet? I didn't know a new one dropped. I'm not going to watch trailer it. number two. Yeah, yeah. it was like a, okay. a inside look. That's it. Y'all are kicked out uh, of Smuggler's uh, Guild. Maybe I will watch. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you guys are kicked hey, out. I'm of trying Smuggler's to watch it. No, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to have as little spoiled for me as possible. I did not think there was anything really spoiled in it, it but that's my opinion. Uh, it definitely. You know, we you see a little bit more with the X wings and and the Razor Crest. You see a, just a hair more of the scene with the the fighting ring and and all that. But I mean, there's really and then for eight episodes coming, I don't think it really spoiled a lot. Uh, I'm okay not watching it since okay. since the season's already so close to coming. Plus, nothing nothing can beat the uh, Boba Fett trailer we watched. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hook, <laughs> hook, line, and Rick rolled. Yeah. Now, so right for that one. Yeah, that looks good. Now, I just watched it. <laughs> now, we, we have talked uh, in the past about... Is the that short? Yeah, it's like 30 it's seconds. Uh, yeah, I can wait. Um, we talked about the High Republic. Uh, so, Jedi Geek Girl, how excited are you for this new High Republic era that we're about to enter into. Oh my God, I am so excited. It will be a breath of fresh air that I feel is long overdue. Mm. It is 
never explored, like even in Legends, you never explored 200 years and you had the older public you had been, but never 200 years before. It is a team of people who, everyone on there, I respect, I like the ideas. I'm really interested. To me, is this this is, like, I'm so excited. I'm counting down the days. I just, I just cannot wait because it just, you have so much that we have gotten these past five and six years that this is so such a breath of fresh air and I'm really into the books and comics so this is really like my jam so yeah I, I'm so excited for it I, I, I can't wait for the comics to start because uh, I can I yeah. see the High Republic being a, a new ongoing title in which we'll have uh, Star Wars um, Dr. Afra, and then hopefully High Republic. It's we three. are getting one, right? I know we're getting it. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's a a short term series or or maxi series or if it's a ongoing series. It's ongoing. Oh, okay. You have yes. So cool. yeah, you now, have gotten more news than I I had found on it. I am obsessed with the books and comics, so this is kind of like my thing. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Do we have to do? We have a, a release date for it. Now, yes. January fourth or something like that, isn't it? The um, according to January, go ahead, January fifth for a test of courage and light of the Jedi, light of the Jedi, and then February I think it's into the darkness. February or March, I, I just know I'm hyper focused on January. The comics, the IDW one and the Marvel one, doesn't currently have a release date. I think it might be like mm. February or January when we can expect them. But yeah, those, those are the release right. dates. Though. Uh, um, give me a second. Because I know it was like everything. It's been pushed back. Yeah. Um, I, am, I just got the Marvel solicits today as we're recording. But even though they embargoed until the 22nd, this show doesn't air till this weekend. So I could safely talk about this. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? So I'm going through the list and because I also found a story over on StarWars.com talking about the Padawans that are going to be involved in the book or in the in the High Republic series. Um, while while you are looking that up, I want to say how awesome the preview that we got of one of the characters' lightsabers. I really love yeah. the design of that. So, oh, yeah. Because so, it's really interesting because if you look at the lightsaber, you can see... You can see Vader's lightsaber. You can see Anakin's. And, of course, you have Kylo Ren's lightsaber. And then you have the gold of the High Republic. I, I just fell in love with that lightsaber. Star Wars The High Republic number 1 will drop in January. Wonderful. I don't have a date for it, but it will drop in January. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing where what they do with this, with the High Republic. And I actually forgot Bounty Hunters is uh, ongoing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that will make four, Afro, Bounty Hunters, um, Star Wars, and High Republic. Because I, as much as I love the Vader series, I don't see that being a long-term um, ongoing because they've, they've done two other cycles with two different time periods. Right. In so. my opinion, in my opinion, I think what the game plan is, is I think the Vader one will be fine. I think it will probably go the same as the first year. But because the four continuing series, Afra, Star Wars, Vader, and Bounty Hunters is set between Empire Strikes Back, like two of those have an endpoint. And 
And if you notice with the Marvel cycle, that first cycle was focused on stories between A New Hope and Empire. Right. Right now, they're focused on Empire and Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. So I would expect them to relaunch Star Wars again in probably three years to tell stories after Return of the Jedi with these characters. Right. 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 But we, but we also saw too. While Star Wars and Afra continued after the first, you know, the first Vader series ended 25 episodes or 25 issues. Um, then we had Charles Soule's um, Vader series that was uh, basically like Vader year one, which which ended fairly um that, that was a short-lived run, and now we're we're, we're covering some Vader stories between um, Empire and and Return, like you like you said. But I don't I don't see this being a, a full-fledged run like like Star Wars and Afra have have been, and Bounty Hunters is turning into. So both of the Vader series won 25 issues. 25 issues is about almost two years worth of comics. So that yeah. lines up perfectly with their game plan of telling the story that they want to tell and then reboot everything into Return of the Jedi time period. So I think 25 issues is mm. enough to tell the story they want to tell. Okay, that works. Whereas with Bounty Hunters... Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. I think with Bounty Hunters, you could keep going and, and mm-hmm. not stop at Return of the Jedi. You could just run right through it. Exactly, but with Marvel, they love the number ones. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. But yeah, I could see that comic having like a five-year time, five-year life cycle and then rebooting it to try to get the money from one. But yeah, that and Alpha can technically shoot right through it. But my right. secret hope is that they tell a story with Alpha on a different means and, you know, after Return of the Jedi. So, but who knows? But yeah, those two can just run right through Return of the Jedi. Oh, these guys will tell you. When, when there was the threat that they killed off Afra, I was livid. <laughs> I am a huge Afro fan. I was like, Mike was pouting a little. Oh yes, I was. Oh, not a little, a lot. And then, then it came out. Oh no, she's continuing on after the events of Empire Strikes Back. I'm like, okay, cool. We can deal with this. Um, and it's, and then the pandemic hit. And it's like, no, you're not delaying my book. Um, but getting back on track is that's normal for us to get off track. Uh, the Padawans that are coming to us in Star Wars: The High. Republic. Um, so we have Bell Zedifar, who is apprentice to the legendary Loden Greatstorm, and he hopes to survive the experience, according to Light of the Jedi author Charles Soule. Because um, he and his master are currently stationed at a Jedi outpost on the ore world of El- Elfarona, deep in the Outer Rim where they work to keep the peace and spread the light. Um, Baryaga is one of the few Wookiees to travel from the lush forest of Kashyyyk to study in the ornate halls of the Jedi Temple. Um, while he is skilled with his two-handed lightsaber, it is Baryaga's natural effortless ability to sense the emotions of others that sets him apart from other members of the Order. The Wookiee studies under Jedi Master Neeb Asik, who learned Sherry Wook in order to more properly educate her student in the ways of the Force. Um, Baryaga is gifted, but in any school, there's always a golden child. Uh, the, these two we're going to see in Light of the Jedi. Uh, this story is also found over on uh, StarWars.com, by the way. Um, 
Now, in the High Republic Adventures, which is coming to IDW, which I think is cool. We, we got the Star Wars Adventures, and now we got the High Republic Adventures. Um, so we're going to have two different series in two different time periods, which which will be great. Um, in in the IDW series, we will meet Lula Talisola, who is all about the Jedi Order, according to Daniel Jose Older. Uh, she can't wait to get knighted and wants to be the best Jedi that ever was. In other words, she's got, she wants to be the Bret Hart of, of the Jedis. Um, besides being amazing and top of her class with the lightsaber, she's loyal, compassionate, and looks out for her two best friends, Farzala and Gort. So, um, now Claudia Gray's young adult novel, Into the Dark, features Wreath uh, Silas, a Jedi apprentice who will see what the galaxy is really like. Uh, he's a semi, a somewhat privileged apprentice uh, because of his master, Joram Molly, uh, and the fact that Molly is a member of the Jedi Council. That means he spent a lot more time in, on Corsican in a, in a lot of high up diplomatic meetings. Uh, so the frontier is going to be a huge transition for him. And then they have the artwork for, uh, for the Padawans. And uh, when we have seen in the past about the cross guard saber and what was potentially coming, we might have been seeing uh, Buryaga's cro- uh, lightsaber because his two handed saber has a cross guard on it. Cool. And it you looks. Know, we might see a lot more of those, not just, you know, not just the one. Yeah. I think, I think we're going to find out that the cross guard was a popular thing during the, the era of the High Republic. That would make, make sense. So, yeah, something that kind of works the way out by the time we've met the Jedi or where we see them. Yeah. And I really, I really am digging the way the tunics and everything are set. Um, during this time period, uh, it, it's a it's the o the obi is more of a tabard over the top and not the not the obi set we traditionally see. I, I'm really liking the styling of, of the the High Republic era Jedi outfits. It is just one in addition to many reasons why I am so excited for this era. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it story wise. And I'm noticing, too, that depending on the color of your lightsaber also depends on the color of your sash. Because we see Bariaga and um, and Lula both with blue lightsabers, and they have and, and their the, the sash under their belt is instead of being brown or whatever the same color as your normal tabards, like we see in the prequels uh, with all the different Jedi. They are color coordinated to their saber. To show that, you know, maybe that's the, you know, if you're a consular or a guardian, etc., it's it, it signifying your ranking within the Jedi Order or, or your placement within the Jedi Order. And I'm also loving the fact, too, that the sash, that, that the sash element comes over the top and hangs down the side as well, you know, tying in more the the, the oriental flavor of, of that wrapped belt. Um, so I don't know if you you guys are catching these in the pictures. If, if you are, what are y'all y'all's thoughts on it? I like that that touch, like you pointing out that the colors match the lightsaber. That's really interesting because I'm trying to look at the other pictures to see if that is the case. And what I have seen so far is the masters, at least the one that I have checked it out, don't have that. So that's really interesting. Very interesting. Thing. Maybe it's just a Padawan thing. 
that's what I'm thinking. But you you mentioned the Oriental connection, and that just takes it right back to the roots of the beginning of Star Wars, where you had aspects from the Eastern culture in Star Wars. So that just fits yeah. so perfectly into what Star Wars, you know, is. Yeah, very much so. And I and I love with the last one uh, with Bell Zephar one his uh, kind of dragon dog that he has. That looks so cool. Yeah. And I love how the jet, the, the symbols that are on everyone's, uh, tabbers, that his is ghosted, the, the tone on tone look on his. And it's, it's almost like a Jedi internal flame. I almost want to call it. And I, and I just love the look. And I think that would be a direction I would go if I, if I was to do it is to have something where it's very subtle and, and just there, not, not just boldly sticking out. It also makes me wonder if he has a deep connection with his dog. Like you see in the Clone Wars where you had, you saw this in Jedi, uh, Dooku, Dooku Jedi Lost, where you had somebody who had a deep connection with the creature. It makes me wonder if this is his other half, for lack of better words, like if he has a force connection with this dog and they've been through it to, together and right. wherever he goes, the dog goes. Uh, oh. we, we, we see the same type of thing in, in Rebels with Ezra and his connection in nature and the yeah. animals. Yeah. Yeah, the only difference is that Ezra doesn't bring these creatures wherever he goes, where I think that the, the dog is more likely a partner, an equal partner. Right. And I don't think that's something that we've really seen in Star Wars. Like I said, it was in Dooku Jedi Lost, but not to the height where you had like that kind of kind of like a real life thing where you would have somebody who would bring along their dog or a cat or something, and then you would put the voice on top of it. That's what I'm thinking. I think that is why this concept art has a dog because I think the dog is going to be a not only important aspect of him but aspect to the story if that makes right. sense right i think i think the one thing where i'm noticing though is we you know in this whole story you know we get claudia gray we get uh daniel jose older we get um charles soul we don't have Kevin scott and what he's doing for marvel so are we not getting any new Padawans with his book or is he just taking everything that we have and, and, and collaborating all the, all the Jedi, all the pairings to the, uh, he might be introducing book. he might be introducing characters later in his book than the first couple of issues, and I'm sure they they probably want to hold something back. You know, they don't want to share something that might come out in issue number six, just because of where they are in the process of the story, and just just because we don't get anybody from his series doesn't mean there might not be a part two or a character revealed in another article. So I wouldn't think I I don't think too much about it. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure. So I have something running in my head right now. I'm searching through a bunch of um, old role-playing game books that Bell Zetafar. I'm looking. I could have swore. Wasn't there a, um, in one of the role-playing games, wasn't there a Jedi Beastmaster like role that you could play? I don't remember. I'm thinking this may be a throwback to one of the old West End games or something. I did not play that game enough to. I have a bunch of the books sitting here. That's why I'm flipping through everything. Now, we also have, um, gaming-wise, coming to us from ILM X-Lab, uh, is Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. 
And this is a, uh, a trailer, a new trailer that's dropping that ties in. Uh, I believe this is for a, a virtual reality game. I know we've talked yes. about it briefly and I don't remember a lot, but it, Apparently, this is going to give you a more immersive experience into the world of Batu and Black Spire Outpost. This would be a reason for me to get a VR system so I could play this game. You mean to tell me that Beta Immortal was not reason enough to grab one? Not at the time, because... <laughs> I mean, I, I was intrigued by it, but the pricing of the systems were kind of out there and preventing it for me. Now that they're coming down a little bit more, this would this would be what would cause me to dive into into the VR. In my opinion, I would probably just get the virtual VR for PlayStation because Vader Immortal is coming to PlayStation. We would assume this would be coming to PlayStation, and of course, you can play it with Squadrons. Right. So, yeah. in, in my and opinion, I think that would probably be a better investment to get the VR for PlayStation, and I would assume maybe it would be compatible with PS5. So, uh, yeah, I, it, it's really hard because it's do you really want to? Buy, be, yeah. yeah, it's like, do you really want to buy a system for a couple games when one is coming to a major system? It's just like, in my opinion, it's just better off just to get the PlayStation one. Yeah, I know the okay. Oculus, the um, entry level Oculus now is down to like 150 bucks or something. Yeah, like that. No, yeah, yeah. Just glasses and um, joysticks or something. Yeah. It's not the full blown everything, but it's still, it's getting almost affordable. It is. Now, in this, we see um, more of the characters that we normally don't see. Well, actually, that you don't see in the uh, in the parks. And that's Mobu, or Mubu, the owner of the Droid Depot. Uh, we see a alien bartender in Ogus Cantina. And then we're introduced to a new character named Tara Roshan, who I believe is being played by uh, Deborah Wilson from Mad TV fame. Now there's a name I have not heard in a long time. Um, I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> but you would recognize her because she is also the voice of the other former Jedi in uh, Jedi Fallen Order that is part of your crew. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I absolutely love that game, so I know exactly who you're talking about now. So yeah, that was also Deborah Wilson. Uh, but the the trailer is out. Uh, you can catch it over on uh, StarWars.com. Now, speaking of which, y any of you guys playing Squadrons yet? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, nope. don't have the time yet. Love it. either. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. You start off with training missions where you get familiar with uh, with flight, and you do it first with a TIE fighter. Uh, then you go and become part of uh, – I'm doing story mode because I want to do story mode first before I really get into playing multiplayer against other people because I, I want to – really want to fine-tune everything, um, my abilities before I play or get into the multiplayer because I heard – you get some people who have already ranked up so quick into like almost ace mode that just as you're trying to figure things out, boom, you're dead. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I don't want I don't want a negative experience. Um, but I'm digging the story mode. It's it's very cool. Now, my co-host on my podcast, Keepers of the Fringe, Chris. He has the PlayStation VR, and he has informed me that the game is amazing in VR. Really? Yes. He says it's awesome. Another reason to get it. Yep. He says he can't even he can't even play it without the VR now. It's just wow, wow. I would I would almost 
uh, how to start looking into VR options for the computer. Because th- these type of games is where I'd be playing it. It's on my PC because I, I just don't uh, have I, I just don't have don't the game system. Know what they have? It's out there. I just don't know know what. Because I, I, as I'm looking at the bottom of this with related articles, I forgot that there's a another VR game called Star Wars Droid Repair Bay <laughs> that I, w- I would love to check out as well. So um, we're getting close to the end of the show. We still got some time. We haven't. We usually try and ask our guests if they want to turn the tables on us and ask us a question or two. So I'm going to give you that opportunity. Oh, that is a very dangerous thing to do. I know. That's why I torture these guys with it. Okay. My favorite thing in Star Wars is the books and comics. So what is your favorite guys' books? It doesn't matter if it's Legends, Canon, EU. Like, what is your favorite Star Wars book and why? Go ahead, Derek. Uh, that's a good question. Um... Well, I think for sentimental reasons, I would always have to go with Splinter of the Mind's Eye because it was the first the first Star Wars book I actually ever read. Um, but, of course, I'm also a big fan of the original Thrawn trilogy as well. Okay. Well, with me, um, I can't say just one book because Star Wars is done in series and trilogies and things like that. So um, it'd have to go either between the original Thrawn trilogy because that's what basically um, towards the end of the 80s, I'm sitting there. I, lo- I love Star Wars, but there was a lot of other stuff going on also. That's the thing that all of a sudden laser focused me back on Star Wars was Heir to the Empire. Mm, yeah. But the other one was that I really, really loved was um, that um, Jedi Academy series that Kevin Anderson and um, Rebecca. Oh, yeah. That, it was young until series but it was amazing Le- learning how um jason and jaina were learning how or training to be jedi and their friends and how it tied into all the other stuff right for me um like in the legends stuff it's i love the old comics the original you know 77 to 84 85 with those um i loved um, the whole Republic Commando series and the, the Thrawn Heir to the Empire series. Um, the modern stuff, more, more recent, uh, this millennia really have been digging, um, like the, the dramatized audiobooks, like Dooku Jedi Lost and Dr. Afra. Um, and I've really been digging the Daniel Wallace books, be it, uh, Star Wars lightsaber books, lightsaber book that just came out or all his different guides. Cause I, I'm really digging that whole guide aspect. Splinter of the, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I haven't read yet. I haven't gotten that far in my read through of the Legend book. The Young Jedi Knights books are so underrated. I finished it. I love that series. Also, I love the Jedi Academy series. You, you brought that up, of course, the Tron trilogy. The Tron trilogy. The more I revisit it, the more I get from it. And of course, the the older comics I haven't really gotten into yet. I'm focused on the books right now. Uh, but but for me, I, I really love everything from Claudia Gray. Obviously, I, you know I love Bloodline. I love Lost Stars. I love like Princess of you know. Leia, Princess of Alderaan. So, yeah, that's just been my jam. Um, right now, I am reading book five of the X-Wing series, I'm on, which is Raph Squadron. So. Oh, yeah. That's another one that was amazing. So, do you have another quick 
question for us? Yes, yes, I do. I um. So every episode, I have a series of questions that I shotgun style to my guests. And one of the questions, the final question that we have is, is if you could put yourself into Star Wars, what air would it be? What species would you be? What would your profession be? And what would your home planet be? <laughs> oh, okay. And what air? That's a lot. <laughs> Ken, you start us off. Oh, gee, thanks. Anytime here for you. Um, For me, it would end up in the Legends timeline, but it would be after Return of the Jedi in the Legends timeline. Like around the time of when um, uh, the Jedi Academy series. Because And um, I'd love to like be on Coruscant after listen, hearing the stories in the books there of the kids growing up on Coruscant, meeting Zek in the underworld and things like that. It was a, it seemed like an amazing place to be. Um, I'd probably just be human, and I have no idea what my job would end up being. Something that where I could have fun and have adventures. What about you, Derek? Well, since it, I've had the answer since I, I was a child. And, uh, you know, basically, I would be a uh, Corelli, uh, a smuggler. Um, and uh, I would do it at the time uh, uh, right between, right before New Hope, because that's when the smuggling's really good. Okay. Uh, for me, I see myself. Um as sort of like a Kanan Jarrus, you know, started off as a, a Jedi and then went to the realm of a smuggler or scoundrel to stay to stay alive, so to speak, after the purge. So I'd probably be uh, pre-original trilogy, you know, post-Clone Wars era, um, but still making it all the way through the events of the original trilogy and, and post-original trilogy. Um, I was... Planet? I don't know. I'd probably say Corellia, just because that seems like where most of the scoundrels come from, and that's where I would have known about such a thing to, to go into after you know after uh, removing myself from the Jedi Order by by force of the of the clones. Um, so yeah, probably yeah, it's probably what I would do. It is always interesting hearing everybody's answer, and I have thought about it a lot myself, and I never really answered the question. But for me, it would be on Naboo about the 100 years to about 200 years of the High Republic time period, and I would be a Trulic, and I would be a something in the political realm, realm, bleh, political realm whether it's an advisor to the Senate, probably advisor to the Queen. So that is what I would do. Okay. So where can they find you online and find your show. People can find me personally everywhere at Jedi Geek Girl. They can find Arubel everywhere at Arubel Destiny. And of course, they can find the Arubel podcast on WeBeGeeks.com. And they can find and subscribe to my podcast on any podcast feed. Feel free to shoot me a message on either my personal Twitter or my Facebook or my Arubel social media outlet and I will get back ASAP. And actually, it's WeBeGeeksPC.com. Yes. Thank you for the correction. Not a problem. So, and PC stands for Podcast Collective, officially now. <laughs> Whereas uh, that's not what it stood for when we first got the, the domain name eight years ago. Okay. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Any final thoughts? 
Uh, yeah, just, um, well, by the time this comes out, it'll already have passed, but, uh, this would have been the, uh, Princess Leia's, uh, Carrie Fisher's birthday, 64th birthday. Wow. So, uh, she's still greatly missed. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Always good princess to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts? If you haven't already, if you are excited for the High Republic, subscribe to Star Wars Insider. You have until the 4th of November to subscribe to get the issue where short stories are returning to Star Wars Insider. And the first story is a High Republic Air story by Charles Soule. So I'm excited. I already did that. So if you're into short stories, you're excited for High Republic, subscribe. Subscribe now because you're going to miss the window. Otherwise, you're going to have to pay full price. Excellent. And good point. Very good point. Well, on that note, I'm just going to say there's only one thing left to be said. Speaking of Carrie Fisher. Give the evacuation code signal. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. <laughs> you must use the information in this R2 unit to help plan the attack. It's our only hope. What's new on the 42 cast? Let's ask my co-hosts. We're talking about Doctor Who. Comic book shows and movies. And we're talking about all things Star Trek. And so much more. Check us out on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and iTunes. It's only on the 42 cast. Your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. So Nathan, when are we finally talking Babylon 5? This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping at the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. <coughs> ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This has been a Weeby Geeks production.